You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, we got a lot of stuff to clean up today. Strangely <laughs> enough. Uh, clean up on aisle six. <laughs> news just kept popping off today. So we have a ton of stuff to clean up. Um, I will warn you, I am recording in a different position than I normally do uh, because Edge of Tomorrow was on my TV and I'm not about to leave that. Even muted, I'm just enjoying Edge of Tomorrow now as I talk to you. So if at any point <laughs> um, I feel like I'm distracted, um, that's why. Uh, so that's why, that's why these podcasts are free, ladies and gentlemen. That's why you're, you're not required to pay for these. Uh, so, I mean... I can't argue with the choice of movie uh, because I think that's a great movie. My my love of Tom Cruise as a movie star, He's not fantastic. as a weird person, is uh, is well documented. But uh, yeah, Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, sign me up. Great movie. And Emily Blunt is fantastic in it. Like I, I've said this before, Emily Blunt, action star. Didn't necessarily see it, but she's great in this. She's great in total Sicar- badass. Yep. She's total badass in Sicario as well. Like she's fantastic. So here we are. I will try to clean it up uh, the rest of the way. So. Today was uh, just a, a variety of news from place to place as the day went on. Um, started off with Gary Wolfel on Chuck and Winkler this morning on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And an in, in interview that I'm trying to... I, I might let you describe it because you did it more artfully than I did before. Um, but I guess they were talking a little bit about the Bucks, and Jabari Parker got brought up and then, uh, Gary had a, a couple things that he had heard. Yeah. And, uh, maybe, well, I don't want to say walked it back, but, um, but I mean, the basic summary was that, uh, that Jabari's camp, um, or that basically from, from the view of Jabari's camp and the Bucks, the belief was that, it's it's unlikely Jabari will be back in a Bucks uniform, and you know it, it at, kind of as it went on, it, you know he kind of qualified it a, a few times, and you know it's, it seems like basically what we've heard, you know, at ad nauseum um, privately and then publicly when Jason Kidd was fired, you know, the idea that Jason Kidd and Jabari Parker had a bad relationship. I mean, I think we've you know heard heard musings of Jason Kidd sort of using Jabari as a scapegoat for. Um, certainly defensive failings, which, you know, again, ironically, of course, the Bucks sucked even when Jabari was out for extended periods defensively. So uh, it didn't really uh, add up. But but obviously Jabari has, you know, clear shortcomings in his game. And, um, you know, Gary today reiterating the idea that, you know, basically Kid had, you know, never really given him a chance. You know, I, I don't know. Again, like, to, you know, a lot of this stuff, obviously, you know, a lot of Gary's stuff tends to come from agents or, you know, the the quote unquote person close to the player or whatever, that mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So. Um, so, yeah, the idea was that, you know, the relationship. Um, but it, it's it's more of with, you know, seemingly more from from adjacent kid side had just basically sort of soured things. Um, and and I don't know. I mean, again, like, you know, I think uh, Chuck brought up or, or Bart brought up that uh like last week sort of you know Horst made a qualifying statement that you know it seemingly said something to the effect of they want to you know they want to view, they view Jabari as a building block and et cetera, et cetera. um so you know again like I, I mean it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the you know Jabari's history in Milwaukee his role has been very unclear and obviously being out for, you know, two effectively, you know, two calendar years out of his four years and obviously coming back, you know, just a month ago and is he even going to start before the summer comes? You know, there's so much, you know, even though he has obviously, 
um, kind of come back quickly from a scoring perspective. Um, you know, athletically, he obviously has looked good. Um, but again, like he sort of looks like the Jabari of, of old, which, you know, is kind of good and bad, I guess. Obviously, coming off a knee injury, you would say, obviously, it's good if you can kind of come back and be yourself. But huge questions, obviously, about Jabari and, you know, his fit. And, you know, is he actually worth, you know, paying a, a ton of money this summer? Which, you know, again, if he was entering the last year of his rookie contract next year, then you would feel probably a lot less concerned because then at least you, you know, could say, well, maybe we go into next next year and still try to figure this out or you have more options to consider trades. Um, that was another thing. Uh, Gary implied that the Bucks were close to trading him at the deadline, which, um, you know, again, I, what, what, what that means, I don't know. What is, what is close to trading him? You know, who knows? Was he mentioned in a trade? Um, I mean, that wouldn't be shocking, right? But obviously um, we haven't really heard any other suggestions that he was close to being traded. But, you know, again, I mean, Jabari's future, I mean, just look at it, right? I mean, Giannis is the guy here. He plays positionally kind of a similar spot as Giannis. Um, I don't buy the idea that he can't play with Giannis at all. Um, but, you know, with Chris Middleton around, I mean, there's obviously a reckoning here about where Jabari fits into this franchise. And I think fundamentally it's really more of a question of is Jabari going to be good enough to be, you know, a good to great NBA player, um, especially with his defensive problems. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's anything really shocking with that. Um, and, you know, Gary kind of said, like, well, anything can happen. Anything can happen. But, um, you know, again, I think it just underscores that this summer is going to be really interesting because I, I don't, again, I don't know who's going to be making him that huge money offer. And if that does come, I don't know if the Bucks match it. And if it doesn't come, you know, what kind of what kind of a staring contest might the Bucks have with them? That that would be very interesting if he doesn't have an offer from another team. What what would the Bucks be willing to do um, to bring him back? Or, you know, where what is their number? We heard the you know, three years, $54 million number last fall when Jason Kidd was still around. Um, so obviously coming back, he's, you know, um, come back at least successfully from the knee injury, but, um, it's going to be obviously a, a huge summer and, you know, two huge decisions. We'll talk about the other one coming up this summer, but certainly the, the one of them is, is obviously what happens with Jabari Parker. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, just with regards to that news, uh, Alex Lazary, uh, vice president with the Bucks, came out and said that uh, that was fake news. Um, our friend Paul Henning, Bruce City Paul, had tweeted out kind of a summation of uh, what Gary had said on 105.7 FM The Fan this morning and uh, said that the the very, very close to being traded line, um, was fake news. Uh, so we'll start, I guess I'll start my answer there talking about Jabari and just know that we will get back to Alex again later in our conversation. Um, but with the Jabari news, um, I feel like as you look at, I mean, look at the last month, right? You, you see Jabari's body language when he plays, don't think it's great. And again, like I, I like to break down the X's and O's. I like to kind of go through things, but uh, that I don't think there's an eye test. Anyone's eyes um, would show an eye test that shows anything different than his body language not being not being great. Like obviously, it, very early in his return, you had the kind of moment between him and Joe Prunty where Prunty told him to get into the post and he kind of waved him off. And uh, I mean, I think throughout that, uh, throughout this last month, you've just seen Jabari's body language not be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that's really going on a limb like that. It just hasn't been great. So there's that there's returning and not really going above 25 minutes per game. Like that just isn't something that they've done a lot with Jabari. Um, and like you said, looking very much, much like he has looked on defense in the past, like all of those things would suggest that, you know what, maybe there isn't something, maybe that relationship isn't great, that that relationship between him and whoever has remained on the coaching staff. And obviously uh, we all heard the reports of, 
of his relationship with Jason Kidd and kind of how all that was. And um, obviously around the trade deadline, or excuse me, around the time Kidd was fired, we kind of talked through all of that and how they didn't really get along. And um, so I, I don't know that any of that is surprising. And I guess it goes into the larger point of in the last couple of weeks, I've had people ask like, man, why, why is the Bucks defense still struggling? And why don't they look any better on offense? And it's like, well, cause the same guys are there. Like, it's still Joe Prunty. It, it's still Sean Sweeney. Like those things are going to look the same. So I think it would probably be fair to think that, you know, if there's a negative relationship that built up over these four years, that maybe it's still there. Like it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that that, that, that bad relationship, that those negative feelings would still be there. Even with Jason Kidd gone, who would have been kind of like you said before, like the root of those problems. But if those other guys, if those other assistants are still there and Jabari has negative feelings towards them, like some of those things could still exist. So um, I guess hearing that all of those things like might not work out, uh, I think shouldn't necessarily shock anyone. And then on top of that, you mentioned it. We know the number three for 54. That was what was offered. We also know the numbers on each side of Jabari Parker. We know Andrew Wiggins contract and we know Joel Embiid's contract. That's about the three for 54. That's about, I don't even, is it half of what either of those guys are making? Is it even less than half of what they're making? Like it's not, it's not comparable. So the fact that those sides would feel like if the Bucks were only willing to go to three for 54 and maybe that'll increase in the off season. I don't really know. Um, but if they were at three for 54 and Jabari's camp thinks he's close to a max guy, well, that's, that's a pretty, a pretty wide margin. That, that, that is a wide field to get across. So, uh, if very, like if there's a slim to none chance of them getting there, well, I mean, just looking at all of the context surrounding everything we know about Jabari Parker, his production on the floor, his relationship with Jason Kidd, uh, where Buck's ownership is, and I guess where John Horst was at, at exactly how much they want to pay him, what Jabari's camp has been feeling. Like, if you know all of those things, I think all of the things Gary said today, I mean, to me, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, the, the idea of Jabari's body language... Um it's kind of funny because I don't know if I've ever seen Jabari like smile as much on the court as he has the, the past month. Like, but it's kind of a like, uh, oh, what is his name? I don't remember the character's name, but <laughs> you know, in, in the movie American Beauty, when uh, uh, Kevin Spacey's character just sort of like decides, like, like screw it, like I don't, I don't care anymore. Yep. And he has a line I think at one point where it's like, you know, I forget the question. Someone asks him asks a question like, "What are you doing?" and and he says something to the effect of like, or you know, what what are you? And he's just like, I'm just an average guy with nothing to lose. I think is the line he uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, Jabari Parker probably doesn't, and his agent don't think of him as an average guy, but he sort of has come out, I think, with a you know, screw it kind of mentality. I'm just gonna go out and I'm just gonna shoot. And I'm not gonna worry about whatever. And you know, that also probably manifests itself in not always getting back on defense and and again like I, I it's i don't think like jabari is just like consciously like dogging it um but he's a guy who obviously has really struggled with focus especially defensively throughout his career right i mean yep. he's a he's a brain fart guy like he just his brain just like shuts down and he just misses stuff and just gets called you know just makes very obviously just is in the wrong spot or you know misses an assignment or whatever it might be and Certainly, all of that is has still been true, and you know, putting him up there with you know, as we've talked about, with like guys like Thon and Brandon Jennings, obviously isn't going to tend to erase those those shortcomings mm-hmm. um, either. So, so yeah, I mean, it's really difficult. I mean, there's a good case that three years fifty four is you know a huge number for a guy whose you know ultimate value is still very much like a potential thing, right? I mean, I, I don't think we've seen Jabari be a guy even when he was scoring twenty a game who like really kind of move the needle in a net way right i mean yep. um you know you look at like his on off numbers his rpm all these sort of things that say okay well is your team actually better with you on the court i mean we've never really gotten to the point where jabari was clearly a guy that like made your team better and um you know i think in that zach Lowe, kevin arnovitz conversation they had an interesting observation it wasn't necessarily like 
putting it at, on Jabari all, but just sort of how like, you know, a lot of times when Jabari scores, it's just sort of like from, like he scores from nothing, but sometimes it's like, you don't like, it's like he's, he's totally like, he's not like a system guy either. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the Bucks obviously are a team that I think is especially problematic probably for him right now, because you know we've talked about sort of the systemic issues the Bucks have and, you know, putting a guy like him in at the middle of the season is, is also kind of hard. Right. Um, and I think it'd be, I think it'd be difficult to put him into the starting five and expect the starting five to be better. Cause I mean, we talked about, I mean, there are no shots for Tony Snell and granted Tony Snell obviously isn't a shot creator. Um, but there really aren't shots for, for like the fourth and fifth guys in that starting five. And you could argue, well, Bledsoe should take fewer shots or, or whatever, but, um, but it's hard finding shots for guys. And if you can't find shots for Jabari Parker, then he's not valuable, right? I mean, he has to be a guy who gets touches, who has chances to to attack and and put up shots and yeah it, it's it's a difficult spot and you know I think Jabari's a guy who throughout all the you know he he's been I think very good at you know not letting the kids stuff you know sort of externally show I mean he mm-hmm. you know penned a couple of very I'd say you know seemingly very sincere sort of love letters to the city of Milwaukee and wanting to be here and you know, he's obviously a very, can be a very sincere guy, very genuine guy. Um, but again, like if, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if the offer is deemed to be not high enough, um, I, he could be a guy that really gets turned off and gets really down on the idea of being a part of this organization. I mean, lots of guys are like that, right? Yep. Um, but Jabari in particular, I mean, you remember what he was like even on draft? Remember draft day? I mean, the day before, he basically says, like, Cleveland doesn't want me. I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it was like, it was kind of like, whoa, he, like, really, like, some, we- you know, it was kind of weird how, like, anti-Cleveland he became. Yep. And obviously, he was, it, the flip side, but he, was, he was very pro-Milwaukee. But, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, that. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the reverse happens, right? And, you know, we don't know who the coach is going to be next year, which I guess we'll talk about in a second. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it should be a shocker. Um, I, I think my my assumption to date has been that odds are Jabari would be back just because, you know, again, monetizing him as an asset, like, you know, without a contract, you have to, you know, all you could do is like a sign and trade, which is, you know, difficult. I mean, we saw the Bucks get obviously very good value for Brandon Jennings when he was a restricted free agent, but that doesn't normally happen. I mean, that's, that is a, that's, that's like not something you go into a summer expecting to do to be able to turn a restricted free agent into, you know, multiple assets. Um, so it's, it's going to be a tough spot. And I mean, my default is I imagine he's most likely going to be back just because again, I don't think a team is going to max him, um, with restricted free agents, you know, effectively, because officially they can't, you know, the clock on the 48-hour clock on a restricted free agent offer doesn't start until July 6th. Obviously, everything starts on July 1. So um, basically, until July 8, if you want Jabari Parker and you're another team, you're going to tie up all your cap space. Yep. You know, for eight days. And I, I just think, you know, again, they're going to be teams that strike out. They're going to be teams that maybe bide their time, and maybe one of those teams does ultimately decide to throw Jabari Parker an offer sheet. But you know, again, I mean, are they going to? value him at 20 22 million dollars a year something like that i mean especially with sort of the new austerity that we've seen in the nba um i, I just don't know I, I you know i think it's the thing like agents just sort of try to assume that you know the worst the, you know the, the the mistake minnesota makes me minnesota made with uh andrew wiggins like means that somebody has to make an equally bad mistake with jabari parker but you know again like maybe the league is is smarter than that, you know? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I I don't know. I mean, again, if I'm the bucks, there's no way I'm, I'm, I'm ponying up some massive offer for him. Um, you know, without seeing that there's, you know, unless I was completely sold on him and, and even then, I mean, I don't know, it's going to be really interesting. I, but my guess is still, I don't know. I would still shade that he probably is back. Um, and the idea would be that you just try to bring him back on a deal that isn't, terrible and that hopefully you can figure out a way to make him an asset at and then you know if it doesn't maybe work out perfectly maybe you can still get value from down the road as a trade but you know again that's maybe a favorable reading at this point i would lean the same way as you in that i would say 
I think there's a good chance that he does come back. Um, but the only thing I can kind of think of is this might take a while. Like, yeah. as you mentioned, it seems unlikely that there's going to be a July 1 deal done at 12.01 or 12 o'clock or whenever that officially starts. Like, I, I that seems unlikely. And obviously it seems unlikely because of the restricted free agency thing. So then you get eight days into it, and then I think you'll still have teams trying to figure out exactly what they're doing. Uh, maybe they're still trying to figure out some deals with some other guys. And then maybe you put the offer sheet in and uh, that happens. Or, like you said, maybe those other teams don't strike out. Maybe the couple of teams that do have a lot of space end up getting the free agents that they want. Or maybe they don't want Jabari Parker all that much. And then all of a sudden an offer doesn't come. And uh, I, I don't know. Just thinking about, again, we don't really know where... Jabari's camp is at where his head is at as far as this extension goes. I know in the past we've kind of heard like a max deal and stuff like that. Um, but if if his camp is still close to that, it's going to take a long time. E- even without offers from other teams, it's going to take a long time to get him down to three to fifty four. Right? <laughs> it's it's a wide gap. So I think it it could end up taking a while, but we'll see and. I mean, uh, this. I think this day was interesting because we ended up talking, or Buck's Twitter ended up talking about two things that I think are going to take up a, a lot of our summer. We're, we're going to talk about these two things. The second thing that we ended up talking about um, from Mark Stein and his latest newsletter, uh, it was... Uh, kind of we had some nice notes taken down uh, for us by Jordan Tresky, uh, the podcaster over with Behind the Bucks and Bucks and Six podcast. Uh, so he was kind enough to kind of do the screenshots of all of that. Um, so I'll just read what Mark Stein had to say about the Bucks. He was kind of going through some of the other coaches and some of the teams that may be looking for coaches and what happens there, um, but this is the Bucks section. After the Bucks initially promising response to their new coach, Joe Prunty, they remained mired at the bottom of the East playoff ladder, improved defensively but no higher in the standings than they were under the ousted kid. Chances are then that Milwaukee would need to spring a significant playoff upset in the first round over the likes of Toronto or Boston to give Prunty hope of hanging on to the job. There's a belief out there that the Bucks' ownership heading into a new building next season wants to make the biggest splash it can manage. It's greater given that there will be no shortage of external interest in the job, whatever holds this roster sports, thanks to the presence of the superstar forward Giannis Antetokounmpo. Current TV analysts Jeff Van Gundy and Kevin McHale, league sources say, are among the marquee names that can already be found on the Bucks' list of candidates. The former New Orleans coach, Monty Williams, and this is my parenthetical addition, uh, he is the VP of Basketball Ops for the San Antonio Spurs, and David Fisdale have also been mentioned as likely candidates, and word is that even former Louisville coach Rick Pitino could get an exploratory look here. Um, So I guess uh, some of the the fallout from this one... um, obviously comes from we already mentioned Alex Lazary he quote tweeted this and said the season is still going on there are no candidates and there's no list what is happening today question mark exclamation point question mark exclamation point so on and so forth and um uh, I it ended up being a much larger conversation as Alex kind of went through all of this with people on Twitter and said that you know of course we're doing our due diligence but Joe is our coach there's not a list right now we're not figuring out and narrowing down exactly who we're going to be looking to hire but like any organization good organization we do our due diligence so um i guess that is i'm trying to think did i miss anything else there i know there was some spots where it got dicey as alex kind of went back and forth with some people um but uh, I think that's uh, I think that's about it. Um, anything else you'd want to add with all that before we actually get into this report? No, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think we were discussing, you know, before before we went on. I mean, like, of course, the Bucks have thought about this, right? Like, there's no way that they would have fired Jason Kidd and then, you know, said, you know, that they weren't obviously going to start pondering the guys that they would pursue 
um, this summer. So whether there's an actual list, I have no idea. There's, I'm sure, names that have been discussed internally with ownership, et cetera, because obviously, you know, you don't wait until whenever the Bucks are eliminated in the playoffs to to then suddenly have to figure out, you know, oh crap, what are we what are we going to do? Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, again, like. I mean, it's maybe a little bit semantic here about lists or whether a list exists or not, but clearly they're, you know, they would have to be thinking about this. Although then again, I mean, it seemed like they hadn't really thought about what they were going to do when John Hammond left, which, you know, wasn't exactly a shock. So I don't, I don't, maybe I don't want to give that much credit, but, but no, I, I think there have certainly, you would certainly think that there have been thoughts about this and, you know, I mean, I think our view, collective view when the kid happened, if the kid firing happening was that. Joe Prunty was a long shot at best to return as head coach. And you know, Stein was a little bit more kind than I would have been. I, <laughs> I, I don't think a first round win. Even, no, I don't think so either. I don't think that's enough. No, I think if they win, like if they won, like if they go to the East finals and maybe I could see there being some debate about that. But again, like, I mean, this, th- th- there needs to be a fresh viewpoint here. And this isn't a dig on Joe Prunty so much as just, you know, the fact that this staff and Prunty is part of, you know, the whole kid regime and, um, you know, just watching them like play defense right now. Like they, they look like they're playing defense for a lame duck coach, you know, these last week or so. Um, and, and again, like, I, I mean, that's, it's a tough spot for Joe Prunty, but, um, again, I think, um, I think if you're the bucks and, and I, I mean, it, it's kind of funny, like people talk about like when teams new move into new buildings and act like, Oh, now they need to win games, um, which I always find like a little weird. It's like, oh, or like, I remember when uh, Demarcus Cousins was, uh, you know, discussed as a trade possibility, and it was like, mm-hmm. well, they can't trade him because they're moving into a new building. It's like, uh, what, what, you know, like it's okay to suck in the old building, but you have to be good. In the, I, I don't know. It <laughs> yeah. just, oh, it just struck me as like very strange. So I, I don't know if I, you know, again, I, 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 I understand that maybe you know there is more of that sense of urgency because like, oh, we want to be whatever, but. I think it's stupid if that is the case that, you know, like you view a building being as, as changing your strategy for your team or building. You um, already have like, they, you have one of the five best players in the league. Like you don't need a draw from your coach. <laughs> like you have Giannis Tedekuma, like you're fine going into a new building, no, ma- no matter yeah. who's coaching your team. Yeah. So I, again, and, and probably the other piece of this, like, yeah, there probably is a list. Um, is this the list? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't know if skeptical is the right word, but um, oftentimes, obviously, these sorts of names get put together because they want, you know, whoever represents them or they themselves want to be included in that list um, as sort of, you know, throwing out the. <laughs> there the, hasn't the been a lot of good sign. news about Rick Patino um, as of late. Like that, that, no, that, has, no. that hasn't been something that you've seen. So um, for him to elbow, nudge, call, text, email, fax, whoever, Mark Stein, or have whoever is helping him out let Mark Stein know, like, yeah, I, I could definitely see that occurring, right? Like, yeah. he could and, use some good I, PR. Yeah, and I think Gary Wolfel implied that, um, like, Patino and someone from Buck's ownership had some business dealing, which I don't even know what that means, but you know, I, I don't know. Does Patino have a steakhouse somewhere? Like I, I have no, I have no idea what, what that means, but, um, but that there's like some sort of relationship there. Like is, is, you know, was, did, did Patino park some money in, in somebody's hedge fund? I don't know. Um, so is this just like a, like put your name out to connect you with a, a, a team in a not terrible way, given Rick Patino's last uh, couple of years. Um, but yeah, but I, I will say this, I will quit podcasting and discussing the box. If Rick Patino is the next head coach, I mean, there, is there a more ludicrous idea than the idea no. that the Bucks would hire, you know, I guess he failed twice as head coach. Obviously, the I think he was in New York, right, in the late 80s. That was before my time. But, um, but you know, famously failed in, in Rick Boston. Rick Pitino ain't walking and, through that door, Frank. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Rick Pitino ain't walking through that door. Um, now, is it a good sign that he would even be mentioned? I don't know. I mean, I don't like seeing his name mentioned for any reason in connection with the Bucks. Um, and as far as like you know the other names, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll let. So, Rick Pitino obviously will will 
is the is the retirement inducing name for me from podcasting about the Bucks. Um, do you did you have any other thoughts, um, at least hypothetically, about some of the other names you heard, or did anything else stand out? Because I know there was one thing there, there was maybe a common link between these names that we were discussing before we got on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the big thing to realize here is this is happening a little bit sooner than I thought it would, but I feel like both you and I had talked about that, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. Is like anybody who has ever coached a game of basketball, whether it's a rec league, uh, high school, college, junior college, um, CBA, NBA, G League, whatever it is, you're going to put your name in the hat. Like you, are, you, you want this job. You get to coach Giannis in his prime. Like, so everyone is going to want this. So I guess just one thing, and I don't want to say caution, like you can freak out, you can do whatever you want. You can react to whatever news, however you want to react to whatever news. But like, there's going to be a bunch of people that get mentioned for this job. Like these are just, these are five people that Mark Stein mentioned. And you know what? I, I would guess when Zach Lowe writes about it, he'll have five people that he mentions. And when Adrian Wojnarowski writes about it, he'll have five people that he mentions. And when Mark Spears writes about it, he'll have five people. Chris Haynes, he might have five people. Like, there's going to be a bunch of names. Chris, Chris, Haynes, Chris Haynes will probably mention Jason Kidd again, right? <laughs> there's a chance. There, there's a chance uh, that Kidd could be back in the running for that one. So uh, we'll see. But I, I, it just draws to a greater point that this is a, going to be a very attractive position. So if you have any connections with any writers, any journalists, you are going to let them know, hey, just throw my name out there. You know, tell them that they're thinking about me. Or if you are a coach, you're going to figure out who you know with the Milwaukee Bucks that could somehow get you an interview, get you a meeting, get you just mentioned. Like, Everyone is going to want this position. So I think for the next, uh, and again, I don't know when this hire is going to happen, but I, I think I feel pretty safe saying probably after the finals, like you're going to want to get anybody, like if there's guys that are in the playoffs, you're going to want to interview them and you're probably going to want all of that to occur. Like that means we're looking at two, three months here of trying to figure out exactly who this coach is going to be. And there's going to be a lot of reports like this. So you're going to hear a lot of names and some of them are going to not be very attractive like Rick Pitino. Um, some of them are going to be, mm, I hope that doesn't happen like Kevin McHale. Um, other them, you might say, okay, that's kind of a name I could see Jeff Van Gundy. I think some people like, I'm not a fan. And then you look at like Monty Williams and David Fisdale. Like, I think those are two people that, Sure, that makes sense. One's in the Spurs tree. David Fisdale is well regarded by a number of people. So, like, I think you're going to hear a very wide range of names, and that's just something that I think everyone has to get used to. And then I think the other thing to think about here is just that all the, these five guys, none of them are currently on a sideline. Like, Monty Williams is the closest as he is the assistant VP uh, for the San Antonio Spurs. But, like, these are a a bunch of guys that haven't been on the sideline for a little while. So maybe this is just, like, the first round of those guys. And as the Bucs get deeper into all of this, then you'll hear some more names. And uh, obviously, Alex kind of mentioned, like, you know, we, we kind of have a coach at the moment. And we're in the middle of trying to push for the playoffs. So I don't think the Bucks are going to be the people leaking any of this for now. Um, this is all going to be from people that are trying to get their name connected to the Milwaukee Bucks. So I just think thinking about the context around all of this is going to be very important and thinking about kind of why those names would come out at the moments that they come out is very important. Um, and like this is very clearly a report from outside of the organization, right? Like these, these to me, with I can't imagine anyone in the organization is going to be talking very loudly about the candidates that they think are good, uh, the list that they may or may not have. Like I don't think anyone in the organization is doing that quite yet. It's interesting the idea that the Bucks 
feel like they need to make a splash with their coaching hire is is kind of interesting to me. I mean, I I have I'm always hesitant, right? Like I'm always hesitant with the idea of of hiring a guy who has already failed somewhere. Yep. And again, it's not to say that um you know, good coaches never get fired, right? I mean, that that happens, right? Um, you know, certainly the the very best coaches in the league uh, are guys, you know, like if you, I mean, like if we say off the top of our heads, who are the best coaches in the league? Popovich, never fired. Um, Kerr was, you know, essentially fired as a GM when in Phoenix, which was kind of a weird thing that he ever was in that position in the first place. But uh, obviously his coach came into a great situation and has, has flourished. Um, Stevens, obviously, you know, still relatively new from an NBA coaching standpoint, but um, obviously he's done very well. Spolstra, never been fired, right? Has, you know, worked his way up in Miami and, and is there for the long haul. Um, you know, Rick Carlisle was was let go in Detroit and it worked out and that Larry Brown came in and won them a title, but obviously he's had great, you know, durability in, in Dallas. So I, certainly, you know, hearing guys who have um, been let go, like Monty Williams, right? I think certainly the that thought was that he wasn't maximizing New Orleans when he was there. They won 45 games, yep. um, got swept by the Warriors uh, his last year there. Um, and then Alvin Gentry comes in and can't really do any better, right? Which is like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe Monty Williams wasn't that bad, but I think that also probably maybe showed that Alvin Gentry wasn't you know, worthy of quite the excitement that maybe a lot of people had about him when he came in. Also, Alvin Gentry, a guy who had previously been fired elsewhere. So, yeah, um, so yeah I, I think, you know, for me... I think if you're going to find, you know, I think everybody dreams about finding the next Stevens, the next Spolstra, you know, like that younger coach who is going to turn into a great coach and a guy that you're going to have forever. Um, and obviously it always seems less likely if it's a guy that, you know, has already washed out somewhere. And it's not to say that coaches don't learn and get better over time, right? Um, but, you know, um, that that's maybe my dream, right? And, and maybe that's somewhat naive. Um but again, like I don't know, you know. Again, I don't know if if splashiness is really the right thing that I would be searching out. And I think it also creates a really interesting dynamic because um, I don't know if any of these guys <laughs> have Jason Kidd-sized egos. But if you go for a splashy coach, um, then that coach it create well it creates an interesting power dynamic because you couldn't have gone gone for a less splashy. Um, well, it's splashy in the sense that the Bucks got wet about their GM search, but not splashy in a positive way, obviously. But you have a very sort of young and, you know, obviously non-established general manager. And so I think it's sort of interesting, the idea of, like, if you then brought in a really big-name coach, it's, I think it sets up an interesting power dynamic, which maybe isn't a good thing for John Horace, but, you know, whatever, right? If mm -hmm. it's the right guy, it's the right guy. Um so anyway, I think there's just a lot of interesting dynamics to this. And again, like I don't know. I mean, certainly a lot of us kind of wondered would the Bucks go for a splashy name as a GM a year ago? I mean, there was like a vague rumor of David Griffin and then that sort of disappeared quickly. Um, but really no no other sort of discussions around bigger names. It was all, you know, basically assistant GM types that were that were discussed and then ultimately and I mean there were some like retried guys you know like Ed Stefanski because he's Rod Thorne's buddy and you know whatever got got an interview um so I, I don't know but uh, overall I don't know yeah I mean do you think what what is your what is your guess do you think that the next coach of the Milwaukee Bucks is going to be a guy like a, a guy who has been an NBA head coach before or do you think it's going to be a guy that is like an assistant coach because obviously those are the guys that that don't usually get named you know, at this time of year, um, because they're, you know, for the most part, obviously still working. Um, but would you bet that the Bucks do hire a splashy guy? Keep in mind, that also means that they would have to pay a lot for him and have a lot riding on him. Obviously, if you fire him, then you're eating a bunch of money, which they're already doing at Jason Kidd. What's your what's your guess? Do you think it's likely? Do you think it's unlikely? Are you up in the air on on a splashy coach hire this summer? Well, first, regarding the splash comment, um, I had obviously a number of people who kind of respond when I had quote tweeted out uh, Jordan's 
tweet about Stein and stuff like that. And someone asked kind of why I had such a problem with the names. And I just responded splash because I think to me, that's, that's a big problem. Like, I don't think you should be hiring someone for the splash. You should be hiring them because they're a good basketball coach, novel concept. I know. Um, and Alex saw that and responded. And again, I would like to try to keep mentioning kind of his rebuttal to all of this as he he attempted to uh, clean all of it up. And he said, I'd just like to point out, it says there's a belief out there that the Bucks want to make a splash. It doesn't have any Bucks sources attached to it or anything like that. I'll just leave it at that dot, dot, dot. And I said, okay, that makes sense. Um, But I do think overall that's, that's kind of a concern, right? Like that splash is, is kind of what, this this organ like this organization has done. You're you're looking at that Jason Kidd move, and that was a splashy type of hire. And uh, you mentioned the Griffin pursuit and, and some of those things. John Horse would be, I think, the opposite of a splashy hire, um, <laughs> just because he was already in the organization. So yeah. maybe there there is a, a chance that that is not at all true, and and they will go after someone. Um, for me. As people keep, and I mean, people are going to continue to ask me for months and months and months, I will say, just give, if I'm looking for a new coach, I want an innovative assistant with new ideas. That's what I'm looking for. Because I I just am not a believer in across really all sports. It doesn't matter where. Um, It doesn't, I just... I don't believe in hiring retreads. And again, there's plenty of times it works out. Like sometimes guys just get better at their job. Terry Stotts was bad in Milwaukee, like bad. And now he's been great in Portland. He's, he's come up with a really innovative offensive system. Obviously it helps out when you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, that makes it a little bit easier, but he's found a way to use them really well. And now you're seeing them rattle off a bunch of wins and they're doing better defensively. And they've made some, some smart adjustments as the year has gone on. So you can see that development as a coach. So it does exist. It it does happen where guys get better. So I'm not here to doom all retreads. I I just always think that I want to see, the innovators. I want to see the, the guys that are, are thinking about things differently. And again, maybe that means it's a, it's a lifetime assistant coach who is getting his first chance at 45 or something like that. Or maybe it's a young guy who's getting his first chance at 35. Like it, it can be all over, or maybe it's a woman like Becky Hammond. Like it, it, it could be any of those things. Like I, I just want to me, if, if I'm looking for a coach, I want new ideas. I want, Innovation. I want someone who's inventive, and I just think that is so so critical for this Bucks coaching hire. Like that is what you should be looking for. You should be looking for someone who has a creative way to use all of the parts you have assembled. And again, some of those parts might leave. Jabari Parker might be gone. Chris Middleton might be gone the next year. Eric Bledsoe might be gone the next year push all that aside. How are you going to creatively use Giannis Antetokounmpo on both sides of the floor? That that should be the the questions that are first so th- question. Th- that's what that's what you want to see, and that's what you want to know. So um, that's kind of where my head's at as far as what they will do. <laughs> I have no idea. Because when you look at kind of the the decisions that they've made, obviously we know about how this ownership work this this ownership group works, and the fact that you have someone on the governor's seat, and then you have another owner who's not on the governor's seat, and uh, that'll be switching now in let's see next year, I believe, because that'll be five years. Or is it two years? Okay, two years from now. Yeah. Um, So, well, 2019. You know, whatever. That's next year. I get it's crap. It's 2018. What the hell? (laughs) So one year from yeah. So this will be the fourth year of ownership. Next year would be the fifth. Yeah. So we're like a year, year and a half away from that governor uh, seat changing. So we've seen it come into play before, where they need to find a consensus and they need to uh, all be on the same page. But really, just the guy that's ultimately signing off on it needs to be on the same page as everyone else like all of that needs to work out so when you have i mean i don't know if it's volatile but such a difficult situation when you have such a difficult situation i think it becomes impossible to predict exactly what's going to happen because if you would have asked me who the next gm of the milwaukee bucks would have been at this time last year and you would have told me john hammond leaves for a new job i would say 
Justin Zanuck will be the next general manager of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I would have felt 100% confident in it. And I think the Vegas odds would have given you the field at plus, I don't even know. <laughs> you, you would have been able to make some money betting on the field there uh, because there's just no way that anyone saw going to anyone else other than Justin Zanuck. He was the assistant GM in waiting. So as all of this happens this summer, I, I think we're in for a wild ride. I think we're going to see a wide range of coaches discussed. I think we're going to see some finalists drawn down and then those finalists will be different, uh, very different people. And uh, this could go in a million different directions. And trying to predict which way it'll go, um, I think I kind of lean towards a bigger name and being a little bit splashier. But at the same time, John Horst is the Bucks GM right now, so there there is there are, there's an example for a counter example. Like the, those both exist in kind of what this ownership group has done. Yeah, and I, and I I won't pretend to know what the answer is going to be. Um, it's interesting. I mean, Mikhail. I, I don't. I don't. I think I don't have any interest in, in Mikhail. I nope. mean, I, I always. I mean, I, obviously, I uh, I haven't mentioned in a while, but my my wife is a Rockets fan, as as you know. Um, so that makes me uniquely qualified to talk about Kevin Mikhail. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really, but but a little bit. I mean, I, it's kind of weird, like because with Mikhail, you know, there was always this weird sense of like, did he like do the Rockets play that way because? it's like a prerequisite of him having the job that he has to have the team play this way. Um, or like, would he actually bring much of that same mentality to a new team? Um, I think that's kind of an interesting question, but it's one I'm not really that interested in, in answering. Um, uh, Van Gundy, uh, unfortunately, Jeff Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy last coached in the NBA in 2006, 2007. It's crazy how long he has been away. I, I did not know my wife at that point. Um, that was, uh, let's see, five years before we met so i don't have any insight on uh, on on uh, jeff and gundy um i mean it's interesting they actually shot a lot of threes back then um but you know just the number of threes was just much lower i mean they hit eight a game you know the current rockets hit what 15 a game something like that mm-hmm. um and that was a lot back in the day they were also at the third ranked defense so they were very good defensively but you know again i mean we've seen it even with uh you know like steve clifford a guy from the jeff and gundy coaching tree the Hornets used to be great defensively. Now they're, you know, and then the, kind of like the wheels have come off in, in recent years. And, um, you know, again, like I, I think it's just sort of underscores that, that the ideas of, you know, five years ago, right. Tom Thibodeau, another guy from, from who's, I think worked for Jeff Van Gunny at one point. Um, Thibodeau, uh, was the czar of defense, right? What he did in 2008 with the Celtics, um, over the the following years when he goes to Chicago, I mean, they had great defenses throughout that time. He goes to Minnesota and it doesn't work anymore. I mean, that that is an offense first team by far. Um, So things change really quickly and obviously personnel plays big into it as well. But but I think that's why, you know, I'd also sort of shade the way you said it, you know, someone who has actually been in, you know, in, in going in day in and day out watching film, having to come up with plans to stop the 2018 Houston Rockets and the yep. 2018 Golden State Warriors, um, rather than you know somebody who maybe doesn't have experience, but probably make me feel better. Um, but again, I mean, you know, it's not to say that Jeff Van Gundy can't figure that out. I mean, interestingly, he was coaching you know basically G League guys right through yep. this FIBA FIBA AmeriCup tournament and seemingly did well there. So you know, kind of going back to his roots a little bit with uh, with coaching you know lesser lesser known guys probably indicates that you know he is interested in in coming back under the right circumstances but um but yeah i think it's interesting i mean fisdale probably the most intriguing name to me there but i don't know i mean david fisdale also got fired this year right <laughs> yep I mean, he fails that he, he he was a head coach for you know a little over a year before he got fired um you know i think you know very superficially we know that obviously he tried to sort of take the grit and grind Grizzlies and turn them into a little bit more of a modern team shooting threes, you know, Marcus Hall in particular. Um, but, you know, again, I, I don't know. I mean, is, is that mean that, uh, David Fizdale is some, you know, unimpeachable candidate? Certainly not. Um, I think, you know, the fact that he's LeBron's guy is a good endorsement, yep. right? Um, that's probably something if he is able to, you know, if he, he obviously did not relate to Marcus Soltz very well, um, but if he related to Chris Bod or sorry, uh, uh, LeBron James in that group very well, I think 
Giannis is probably more like those guys than Mark, even if uh, Giannis is also a European. Um, so, you know, I think that's a big piece of this. Obviously, is having a guy that Giannis is going to respect and, you know, his default. I mean, again, Giannis is a respectful guy. It's not like he's his default is ever going to be to, like, you know, tune out the coach. Um, <laughs> he didn't he didn't revolt against Jason Kidd at all. So, no, like, uh, no. I think he'll be fine. No, everybody hated Jason Kidd except, you know, him and Jet. And, you know, so I think obviously Giannis is a guy who tends to, you know, work well with authority. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you want a guy that obviously Giannis is going to buy into, you know, 110% whatever your percentage is. Um, and, and so that's obviously a factor. And obviously a guy like Fizz has at least proven it with LeBron that, that probably that can't be ruled out. I'm not going to suggest in any way that that gives the Bucks some sort of edge on getting LeBron. I'm not going there because um, I don't <laughs> think it does. But um, but it's at least interesting, right? And and I come back to uh, Kerr. I think I think it was an interview Steve Kerr did with Bill Simmons, and um, there was a con- I think I mentioned this one before, but there was a conversation about like good coaches that like Steve Kerr like talks to about like what kind of stuff you're running, and mm-hmm. you know people that he respects and it was interesting i mean i think he mentioned only like a handful of guys but he mentioned fizdale you know he mentioned that you know getting into some of the stuff that fizdale you know did specifically with the grizzlies and and just thinking that you know he had really good stuff and certainly that is something that we have not accused any bucks coach of having in a very long time having good stuff good sets um you know an innovative way of doing things well i guess you could argue jason kidd's defense was innovative it just wasn't you know successful beyond that one sort of maybe somewhat fluky season um but yeah so i mean that that kind of stuff i think that matters you know again and um so it's it's all of interest but like you said um i think the interesting thing too is going to be when you know we, we hear some assistant coaches hopefully also get a shot at this because uh again the next great coach we know that they're you know the next great coach to me is probably not a guy who's coached before right yep, somebody's they're, assistant it's gonna, be, it's gonna be somebody's assistant or i don't know i'm, I'm <laughs> that, that's nervous. that's my default answer now when someone's like who do you want as the next coach i say somebody's assistant somebody's like, assistant, somebody's I, don't, assistant. I don't know who uh, somebody's though yeah yeah um and again i i'm i'm always very skeptical of college coaches i i imagine the uh cries for tony bennett um Maybe they won't disappear, but they will probably be a little less loud after uh, so. after watching Virginia uh, get dismantled by a 16 seed. But FYI, um, while we're here, just just so I can say this, um, just so everyone knows, Tony Bennett runs a pack line defense at Virginia. Sean Sweeney learned his defensive system under Ben Jacobson at the University of Northern Iowa. And Ben Jacobson's defense is, you guessed it, a pack line defense. Um, so I, I would say I understand the big thing with Tony Bennett is, you know, he, his defense, he, he's going to be awesome. And, you know, maybe he'll figure out a way to get his offense going. And I, he played in the NBA and maybe he can figure some other things out. Maybe all of that is true. Let's just say I don't feel totally comfortable that the defense is going to be great. Um, I don't know that it will transfer over. Just wanted to say that while we happen to mention Tony Bennett. Yeah, and I think really if you're hiring Tony Bennett, it is because you think he's very smart and he's able to reach young players and able to be a teacher and able to be a guy that gets a team to play well together. It's not because you know he's just going to take whatever he does in college and somehow just transfer that over. So yeah, I I certainly agree agree with that. Um, By the way, there's a... uh, a couple years ago, um, this is in 2015, our friend of the pod, Brett Coromenis, wrote a story about, uh, the title is Packline Progeny, How Tony Bennett Used His Father's System to Turn Virginia into an Undefeated Defensive Powerhouse. So if you're interested in learning more about the Packline defensive approach and all that, um, there's actually a, a very long article with videos and stuff from our friend Brett, who honestly we should bring back on the podcast pretty soon because he's great. Um, but yeah. Nice little dovetail, uh, dovetail to different things. But all right, um, Bucks Clippers. Sure. Already By the way, we we, we should probably we, we need to first we need to say Brandon Jennings did get his second ten day contract, so no yes, shocker yes. there. Um, I have no, I don't, we don't need to say anything more about that. Brandon Jennings had one really good game, one great game. You know, kind of was a backup late season signing type guy. Dalian the rest Brogdon of his are still out. Dylan Brogner is still out, and so yeah, you're probably going to sign him to another 10 day. And honestly, I, if he, you know, just sort of continues to be vaguely passable, then 
I imagine he'll get a rest of your contract because, again, the Bucks really probably aren't going to use that roster spot more effectively anyway. And, you know, who knows if, you know, obviously Delhi or, or Brogdon ever have a setback. You know, you have yeah. have another guy that you can at least throw in there who has some experience. Yeah, we. I, I guess we'll have to see. I know both Delhi and Brogdon made the trip to Cleveland. I think that's the first time that they've traveled um, since the injuries. So I think everyone's kind of going in the right directions. Early April is what we heard on Brogdon. Delhi's has gone in and out and uh, i don't know if we have a a very clear schedule there um all right bucks clippers in milwaukee and frank this is a schedule alert game for the los angeles clippers baxter holmes um wrote a great article at the start of the season about uh rest and getting enough sleep and getting and not traveling too much and uh some of the games that you should circle and kind of see if those people are are gonna win or lose and uh well this is a a schedule alert game for the clippers uh looking at the clippers they'll be playing their fifth game in seven days their third game in four days and the second game of a back-to-back here in milwaukee um and it'll also be let's see uh, the second of a four-game road trip against Eastern Conference foes. They'll play the Timberwolves on March 20th, which was tonight. Uh, they played the Timberwolves tonight, and then they will head out immediately after and obviously they play lost. the Bucks tomorrow. So um, this is a schedule alert game. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know what the percentage is at this point, but uh, most of the time those teams do not have legs because it is just a a ridiculous um, kind of schedule. And obviously I just lay that off for the Clippers. So this is very much a game that the Bucks, you know, should, uh, I think feel pretty good about that, that they can have a chance here. Um, Even with the Clippers being 37 and 32, um, just outside of the playoffs in the Western conference. um, This is a game that they should feel good about for that reason. You would hope even though this has been a problem with the Bucks the entire year, that they don't take this, you know, this team lightly. Because um, the Clippers are still a talented team, even uh, after the Blake Griffin trade, they've kind of pieced it together, and they've been uh, they've been totally fine. Um, I'm excited because I get to watch my guy, Milos, uh, live tomorrow, so um, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but I thought you were going to say Austin Rivers. Austin no. Rivers isn't your guy? <laughs> not my guy. Uh, decidedly not super, my guy. Super hateable, dude. I don't know. If, is anybody as hateable as Austin Rivers? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's pretty he's, tough. He's up there. He's up there. I, I, I strongly dislike him. So Clippers, uh, eighth in offensive rating on the season, 18th in defensive rating. That's according to basketball reference. Uh, like I said, 37 and 32. Uh, with the loss to the Timberwolves, they have now lost four straight. Uh, lost to the Rockets, 101-96. Then the... Uh, and then the Thunder, 121-113. Then 122-109 to the Portland Trailblazers. And then uh, to the Timberwolves tonight. So four straight losing, four straight losses for the Clippers. And a game that schedule alert would tell you they are going to lose. So, Frank. Trust you, the Bucks. So trust the Bucks, <laughs> right? Is that what you're saying? Is that the payoff here? Trust the Bucks to take care of business? I, I think I probably would have zigged there while, while you zagged. Um, but yeah, the, I think it makes for an interesting game. Yeah, and kind of interesting. I, I uh, you know, just to underscore the idea of Lou Williams as the perpetual awesome six man, uh, they have started Cinderius Thornwell, technically a Bucks draft pick. Uh, as you guys yeah. may recall, they, they made that move where they sold that pick and bought the other one and ended up with Sterling Brown, obviously. Um, but they actually have started Cinderius Thornwell a bit of late um, alongside uh, Rivers and Milos uh, Teodosic and Tobias Harris. So uh, very small starting five with with Harris. Basi- basically, like, I mean, Thornwell's like 6'5", like 215, I think, something like that. So basically, you know, a point guard, two shooting guards effectively. I mean, Rivers isn't big for a shooting guard either. He was more of a combo guard. Um, and then, you know, Tobias Harris at the four, um, and then bringing Lou Williams off the bench. So I- interesting. I mean, also interesting to note, Sean Kilpatrick, former Buck, scored 15 points on 10 shots in Minnesota. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting little little note there as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this is a, a team that 
has been, you know, basically right alongside the Bucks in terms of record all year long. Um, and I, I, I'm sure that DeAndre Jordan will grab some offensive rebounds and some people in my mentions will be clamoring for why we didn't go and trade for DeAndre Jordan. Um, Maybe that maybe that that could have been you know the uh, the the Jabari Parker whatever whatever you know maybe. almost trade. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it was the Clippers wanting Jabari Parker in a DeAndre Jordan trade. Which again, I don't really know how close that was, but um, but yeah. Um, so I mean, they're an interesting team, but uh, again, I, I I hope that Montrez Harrell is is also uh, not as energetic that his legs have left him a little bit because his energy on the boards. Uh, is the kind of thing that will also drive us crazy and make people uh, wish that the Bucks could better grab defensive rebounds. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this is obviously a beatable team. Um, some familiar faces with Tobias Harris, who's obviously um, you know enjoyed a bit of a renaissance, not not just in LA, but you know overall this season, uh, starting the year with Detroit. Um, and yeah, I mean, Lou Williams. You never know what Lou Williams is going to do. And um, I'm in. I, Milos only had two assists tonight. What's going on with that? Um, you, Guys, I know, missed shots. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's averaging four point nine assists in twenty five point one minutes per game, which doesn't doesn't feel like a lot. No, it's not enough. Um, not not enough. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. You got to win this game. I mean, you got to beat some. You have to beat some not bad non bad teams at some point. And um, I don't, you know, never trust the Bucks. Uh, but uh, yeah, at least the. If when when the Baxter Holmes you know uh, schedule alert comes up, uh, it's been pretty accurate so far this year, and uh, hopefully the Bucks can be trusted with the schedule alert. But <laughs> you know, we'll see. Yeah, there's certainly a chance that they cannot be trusted, uh, but we will watch and see. We will talk to you after the game. For Frank, I'm Eric. There was a ton of news today, so we went a little bit long. Um, I won't apologize for that because you don't pay for this. So um, <laughs> we went long. Deal with it. If you need to move some of it to the next day, that's totally fine. Uh, for Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.